As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Eight current and former district employees who asked to stay anonymous to protect their jobs. We not identify her and alter We're not her showing voice. who they are because they weren't authorized. This correctional officer who asked not to be allowed us to record their voices if we did not identify them. The public from this virus, and they're simply not letting us. Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, here with my colleague Brian Polson. Hi, Brian. Hi, Amanda. We are recording this episode on Thursday, January 27th. Today, we are taking you behind the scenes of our investigative reporting to talk about a topic we spend a lot of time discussing, and that is sources, specifically anonymous sources. Amanda, Actually, anonymous sources played a pretty big role in your reporting just this week. They did. So if you haven't listened to our podcast episode called Runaway Relationship, I suggest you go back and listen to that. But essentially, that's about some investigative reporting that we did revealing that a Wauwatosa school district administrator named Kristen Bowers used her position to advocate that the district contract with her husband's employer, a company called Avid. And we've done several follow-up stories, and, and every time I do another story about this, I end up getting more sources within the school district. So these are people who, in some cases, currently work for the school district, in some cases used to work there but still work in education and they're worried about their jobs, but they have knowledge of what was going on at the time that all of this was happening. And I've been talking to a lot of them and in certain cases using what they have to say in our stories, uh, even though we are not identifying them because of that fear for their jobs. So they are anonymous sources. And most recently, we got our hands on a copy of the school district's internal investigation into Kristen Bowers. And as I was talking to these sources I have, they started raising red flags about that investigation. They saw some, what they saw as errors and omissions in there. And we ended up doing a story about that and the reactions and the things that these eight anonymous sources were pointing out to us, along with our own observations about the report. And so when we aired that, I got some questions from people about when we use anonymous sources, how we decide to use that. And so that kind of saga is one example of the role that anonymous sources can play in not only giving reporters information, but helping us to put things in context and fill in the gaps of what the public records are telling us. Well, I want to step back for a moment because I think in the news business. And, and when I first got into this a long time ago, I would hear the term source or, you know, developing sources or according to a source. And I was like, well, what really is a source? And if you really step back, a source is just a source of information. And that could be in a very general sense, 
it could be a document, it could be a record, it could be data. But in this context, we're talking about people, right? A source is just a person with information. Like, for instance, if we hear that the mayor is stepping down, that's information that other people don't know. So the question becomes, okay, what's your source of that information? How do you know that? And in this case, it, we're talking about it coming from a human source, a person. Typically in journalism, you go back to the print days before there was even a broadcast, um, you would quote someone. There would be a quote in the newspaper or in a magazine where that person's name is used and, and the quotes are their exact words. In television or radio, you hear a sound bite or you see someone talking and you hear what they're saying, but you know who they are. We put their name up on the screen. That person's a source. They're just an identified source. We're talking today about anonymous sources. And I guess the big question a lot of people often have, Amanda, is why do we use anonymous sources? And anonymous sources tend to play a bigger role in investigative reporting because they are telling us information that someone else doesn't want us to have. So to start, I think we need to clarify because even people who who work in journalism or public relations sometimes struggle with these these definitions. So when we are talking to someone for a story, to any source identified or not, we are either on the record, which means we are using the information that they're giving us and we are attributing it to them. We can be on background, which means I can use your information in my reporting. Sometimes people use it interchangeably with not for attribution, right? But I'm not attributing it to you um, or to, you know, a title so specific that it would very obviously identify you. And then there is off the record, which means, you know, this is something that it informs my reporting, but I'm not going to go and repeat it word for word in my reporting and then attribute it to, you know, an unidentified source. So when we're talking to someone, we, we can, we're in those categories. And so, with a lot of my sources, it ends up being conversations that are on background. And we take the idea of using anonymous sources very seriously because the number one goal is to identify who we're talking to because we want you to know where we're getting the information. There's a certain credibility that comes with knowing who is providing the information so you yourself can evaluate their motivations. And then you there's a, a confidence that comes across when someone is willing to have certain statements or information attached to them. However, in a lot of cases, and what you heard in the at the beginning of this episode from all those different sound bites from stories we've run, there are people who are putting their jobs at risk by talking to us. And we take that trust they're putting in us very seriously. You know, if a current Wauwatosa school district employee is identified as giving me information they're not supposed to, they could get fired. Not only could they get fired, you know, someone else looking at that might say, "Ooh, I don't want to hire that person. The reason that we were okay even keeping former employees anonymous was because the world of education is so insular that if someone is seen as going against their even their former school district, they could get in trouble with their current employer in that realm. 
So before we go and say we are going to use information from an anonymous source, it's a discussion that we have from our managers because we need to be really clear on why that person is being anonymous. And usually it's to protect their job or if their safety is at risk in certain cases. Um, What I am usually reluctant to do is to go off the record or on background with someone who is an elected leader or someone who is kind of in that public sphere where they're supposed to be the one giving information. I'll occasionally do it, um, and usually that's dependent on them later going on the record, but that's going to be a much more rare situation. It's usually when someone is in some way at risk for the information they are about to share with us. Well, and there are a few things that are important to a decision to use an anonymous source or to talk to someone on background or even go off the record. But especially if you're going to use the information uh, from a background conversation. Number one, it has to be factual information, not opinion. If someone wants to say the mayor's a jerk and they're a political opponent of the mayor, well, then we're not going to use that opinion. That's an opinion. And we're not going to use that. Now, if they want to say that on the record and they want to put that in a soundbite that we put on the air, that's fine. You can call the mayor a jerk and then we go to the mayor and they can respond because they know exactly who said it. But we're talking about factual information. But the other really key piece is it's factual information that can't be obtained any other way but for the conditions of anonymity. This person's not going to share this information. We don't have another source of getting that information but for this agreement to speak in that uh, under those conditions. And then once we have that information, we can go try to confirm it elsewhere. We can look for corroborating sources, corroborating materials. But the important thing is it's factual and it's stuff we can't get anywhere else, right? That's exactly right. It's not, um, and that's actually my, my pet peeve about the way that um, sometimes people, and I'm sure people in public relations have pet peeves about journalists, but sometimes, you know, I'll get an email and then in it, it will say, you know, on background or off the record. And then it's a, it's a list of facts that we can independently verify. Those are never situations in which I would agree to go off the record or on background. But additionally, that agreement has to be made ahead of the statements being made. Yeah, that's a, the, the most common thing we get is people who say this is off the record and then they say something. You you don't get to set that sort of thing in advance because reporters operate under the assumption that everything is on the record until there's a mutual agreement, right? That's right. And I think that is something that greatly gets misunderstood. And look, our job as journalists, when we're talking to someone who doesn't know the ins and outs of these rules, our job as journalists is to be very clear. So there are times when I will talk to someone who's been a source and, you know, they'll They'll kind of start to talk and I'll make sure they know, okay, we're on the we're on the record right now. You know, I, I'm going to be very clear with them about what's on the record and and when we're anything but on the record because they they don't know the ins and outs of this. And I think it's incumbent on us to make sure that the people we're talking to know how their information is is being used. But if you are an elected leader or you are um, working in public relations, it's your job to know that stuff. And I'm not going to sit there and hold your hand through it because 
that's just something that that you should know the information is out there. So I think how we interact with our anonymous sources a lot of times is dependent on their position and their knowledge of how all of this works. And there's always a concern that we need to be careful about when we use an anonymous source and particularly why we're using that anonymous source. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the ways that uh, people might try to use us or use journalists uh, by by remaining anonymous while feeding information? Yeah, look, so every, it's been my experience that almost everyone who is trying to get us to do a story or give us information has their own motivation. And that's not necessarily a negative thing thing. It's just everyone has their own motivation, whether it's, you know, them sending the photo of their kid's band practice because they want their kid to be on TV or whether it's, you know, tipping us off to some potentially illegal activity because they're holding a grudge against the person who's doing it. Everyone has a motivation. It's our job to know what those motivations are And it's also our job to not just run with what the source says, but to then do our own work to independently verify if this is something that is happening and to wade through what their potential motivations might be. So when people are going on background and when they're asking to be anonymous, sometimes what they're asking for is to hide their true motivation. And that's something we need to be careful about so that we don't just end up being an instrument in someone's personal vendetta. That said, when I've had people push back against stories that I'm doing, a common thing I'll hear is, well, I think I know who you're talking to, and that person's a disgruntled former employee, right? Well, one, usually when people say, I think I know who you're talking to, they don't know who I'm talking to or where I got the story. So, sometimes you, they Sometimes do. they do, sometimes but they do. usually usually their guess is wrong. Um, I would say seven out of ten times their their guess has been wrong. But two, that person may be a disgruntled employee. They might also be right. And so our job is to wade through all of that and and separate that. And that's why we have these jobs. That's why we have investigative reporting. We have a platform and we have a responsibility to use that platform. Um, It's also our responsibility to push people to go on the record whenever we can, especially in those situations where it's it's questionable if if they should even be anything but on the record to begin with. So I've had politicians say after I asked them for an interview about something, well, I'll only talk to you on background. It's like "Mm, you don't get to abdicate your responsibility to address the public about this just because it's something that makes you uncomfortable. So we always establish before we we move off the record in any way, why exactly are we doing this? You know, I'm willing to have a background conversation for the sake of candor because you don't want to jeopardize a contract with A, B, and C if immediately after that we're going to move on the record and you're going to give me your comments. That's a different situation than, well, I'm only going to talk to you on background because I'm just, I'm not comfortable addressing this. Well, that's that's not going to work. We're much more likely to move into that situation when it is someone who is in some way at risk for speaking to us. 
Well, and at times we will have people who attempt to use us in that way, and they want to be the source of the information that we're using to put a story on the air, but they want to distance themselves, obviously, as much as they can, to the point that they'll want us to, it, it becomes obvious we would approach that person for comment, and they want us to say, well, just say I didn't comment. You, you really can't have it both ways, particularly for people who are in the public spotlight, like you said, elected officials or others who are public figures. You don't get to sort of float a story idea or float uh, something out to the public and then get to sort of hide behind it and watch as the, the grenade goes off. So we have to be careful about that. I do know that what you talked about is very important, which is motivation, because you're right. Everyone has a motivation. Often it's an axe to grind when they reach out to us. It's we want to harm the other side. One of the most common things we get, quite honestly, is people who tell us they have this great story about some sort of terrible thing someone's doing, and it turns out they're going through a divorce or a child custody battle because those are extremely emotional and personal situations, and each side often wants to destroy the other, and one great what's one great way to destroy someone else but to put them air their dirty laundry on television. And again, that doesn't mean the source is wrong, but I've always told people, tell me your axe to grind now. Because if I find it out later, then I have to question everything you've told me up to this point, because now your credibility is is at stake. I've had many people tell me off the bat, look, I got fired from this job, so I hate this boss, and I am, I'm angry, but I'm telling you what I have is true, and I've got the documents to back it up. That's the best way to start a conversation with me, because I know your motivation. I don't have to question it. You've been honest with me. Now I can evaluate the information you're bringing me. Is it true? Is it verifiable? Is it important enough to put in a news story? Um, that's important. When I find out the people who claimed one thing and later turned out to have lied. And that's happened. And that has happened. In fact, there was a story just a few years ago uh, involving a, an elected official in Kenosha. Um, and I had a person bringing me, I had a couple of sources for that story, but one of the sources in particular was feeding me a lot of information, and I figured out on my own who the source was, and I kept asking sort of what their axe to grind was. They were just a pure whistleblower who cared about the public, and ultimately I discovered the identity of the person and confronted them with it. Are you so-and-so? And it turned out to have been someone who had their own problems, who had been a sort of a disgraced local elected official, um, and they lied. They lied about their identity. Nope, that's not me. But it was. And that person, I, I had to cut him off. Thankfully, I had other sources for that story. But in that case, that person lost all credibility at that point. No matter what they told me, you've lied to me when I, when I ask you a question. At that point, I can't rely on, on you as a source. And that's an important part of any sources, anonymous or not, is the credibility of that source is crucial to our ability to use their And you bring up a key point, and that's if we're talking to an anonymous source and they say X, Y, and Z is happening, we don't then immediately put it on air and say, sources say, that's my pet peeve, by the way, when you hear sources say without a, a more specific description of who you're talking to and why you're not revealing their identity. But, Especially when it's only one source, but someone says sources yes. say, but it's really only one e source says. Exactly. So we don't just take that and, and run with it as fact. We can't. And that's why I am very keen on putting, whenever I can, a specific number 
to how many people are saying things. So when I have eight current and former school district employees telling me the same thing and that they're reading something the same way, I'm going to take that seriously. But I also know that our viewers then have an exact idea of how many people are saying this because one person can't speak for an entire group of people. And if people are giving you information, sometimes you can have sources with good intentions. They're not trying to lie to you. They're just, they're wrong. People make mistakes. They misheard something. They got their information from a bad place. So it's our job to really press them on where they got their information, but then also to corroborate what they're saying, whether it's by talking to other sources or by independently finding information in public records. Well, and you've done this many times, Amanda, where you might, out of those eight sources who've come to you, you might have one or two who are willing to go on the record and to put their faces and their names on the air. But the impo- So what's the importance of those other sources? Well, the importance is knowing that what this one or one person or what these two people are telling you has validity because you've heard it independently from six other people. So not only do you feel comfortable putting this one person on the air, you feel that much more comfortable with the information because it's been repeated and verified by others, even though you aren't naming or using them on the air. I have sources who often give me valuable information that never makes it to air, but it can help me connect the dots on certain things or help direct where I'm looking for information. You know, things like, oh, they're going to try to not give you this record or, oh, here are some of the internal conversations surrounding this or I know this person told you one thing, but behind closed doors, they actually said this. It helps me evaluate other people's motivations and it helps me figure out you know, how and when to to file a records request or where to find that piece of information somewhere else. So even when the, the sources, quotes or statements never make it to air, that's really key to us. And we take we take the responsibility we have really seriously. I mean, we people are putting a lot of trust in us when they speak to us in those situations in which they could be risking their job or in some cases risking their safety. But the reason they're willing to do that is because they believe they have information that the public needs to know about. And they believe it's in the in the public interest to have this. And yes, sometimes it's also because they don't like the person they're talking about or they do have an axe to grind. But in a lot of those cases, I think about some of the stories we did with nurses um, at the height of the pandemic who felt like they weren't getting supported in some cases by their hospital systems. You know, everyone was saying, wow, our healthcare heroes. And then they were having a hard time getting paid leave. Or in some cases, nurses were being sent home, even though publicly their systems were saying we're begging for nurses. So for them to talk to us, that was that was a risk. And we altered their voices and we did not reveal their identities. And no one ever found out who exactly it was that talked to us, but they gave a really crucial perspective that people needed to know and would not have had if we were not able to use those anonymous sources. That's another key piece of the when to use an anonymous source is how do you know this information? Firsthand experience, direct knowledge of a situation obviously makes someone far more credible than I heard, I've been told, I have a friend who, that sort of thing. 
the the sort of hearsay information is not going to be useful to us, certainly not as an anonymous source and probably not even as a named source. Uh, but, but knowing that it's someone who has firsthand uh, access to that information is important. And sometimes we have to get that verification. How do you know what you're telling me? Can you prove it? That can be a key piece, right? Oh, absolutely. That's a key piece. And that's where specificity really comes in and becomes crucial. And that is where I, th- I think sometimes the the perception can be, oh, you're just using anonymous sources left and right, and that means you're not doing any real reporting. For every word we use from an anonymous source, there's a lot of legwork that goes into determining, to getting the information necessary to say, okay, we can use that statement. And what you said before is a point I want to highlight, Brian, and that's we're not just going to air someone's opinion. So when I was reporting on this Kristen Bowers Wawatosa story, there were a lot of people who had a lot of opinions about the the Wawatosa School Board and Kristen Bowers and the current superintendent and the former superintendent. We didn't use that because that's not something we would ever attribute to anonymous sources. We instead use their knowledge of what was happening at the time and the effects that it had on staff and how the subsequent reactions snowballed the way they did. That's where the anonymous sources come in. If they're sharing an opinion, it's an opinion that is based on knowledge we can prove or it's an opinion about how something was affecting the staff, which is relevant to the story. So I... Not only are we judicious in who we use as anonymous sources and when, but we're also judicious about which statements we use from them. Just to stress, as you did in the beginning, our ultimate goal with everyone is to put them on the record. It's it, Any story is stronger when you have someone's name and face because a comment is more credible and more trustworthy to a viewer when they can see who's saying it and they can independently evaluate who is that person and where are they coming from? Um, they can determine whether or not they find that person trustworthy. So that is always the goal. This is, uh, we, we don't set out to use anonymous sources. It is a it sort of a, it is a method to gaining information, corroborating information. And in some cases, it may be the only way we can get information that's important to the public on the air, but it is certainly not the first choice. And that's as good as any time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual, have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And to ask us that question, we have executive producer. I'm sorry. No, we have an anonymous source <laughs> who's here to ask us that question. That anonymous source, of course, is executive producer Sarah. Who's Smith. not so anonymous. Hello, everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, it's good to see you. Uh, Dave Machuda should disguise your voice the rest of the way. Like, yeah, that would be that would be fantastic. ride the wave. Um, so for today's off the record question, um, I found a few like quick hitter questions that I thought would be kind of funny to do some rapid fire. So when I say it, you either give me like a yes or no, or the first answer that pops into your head. So we'll start, Amanda. Pulp and orange juice. Yes. Because I like fresh squeezed. Brian, pulp and orange juice. Sure. Yeah. 
I hate <laughs> not when I was a I kid. Hate but now, no, I'm fine with it now. When I was little, though, no way. Gross. I just love mm. fresh squeezed orange juice, and you can't get that without the pulp. Yeah, but it's like chewy and textury. Because re- no pulp orange juice is like they literally remove all the flavor to store the orange juice and then add like artificial flavor back Stop. in. Stop! No, yeah. they just run it through a sieve. <laughs> No, sweet, sweet Sarah. I think I, I get a pattern here because the pulp is a little bit like coconut Blech. flakes and we know how you feel about coconut. <laughs> it is. Oh. Anyway. Not that I've ever talked about that. Okay. Um, you're playing Monopoly. Which piece do you grab? Well, so so I, I should have a quick hit answer, right? When I was young and played this with my brother all the time, he was always the thimble. And I was usually the top hat, but sometimes I was the car. And now we have a St. Louis version of it. And and I like to be the St. Louis Arch. That's a that's so. a good choice. I like. I that. go with the thimble. I like the thimble. Um, I usually pick the wheelbarrow because when I was younger and we played, my dad would joke that the wheelbarrow he would be the wheelbarrow because then he could put all his money in it and roll it <laughs> all over. <laughs> so every time I think about Monopoly, I was like, well, why wouldn't you be the wheelbarrow? Then you can yeah. put all your money in there that you're going to win. Obvious choice. So. I like that. Wait, quick side question on side question on Monopoly. When you play, do you do you have the money in the middle collected when you hit free parking? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. See, I know that that's not actually the that that's sort of like an added rule. It's not really in the original rules, and I think that's the most boring game if you can't collect that middle. Cuz sometimes free, it's that's the bang. only way to play. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, absolutely. I like it. Um okay, uh Amanda, you can go first on this one. What's your go-to sad song? I don't know that I have one. I when I'm sad, I want silence. I don't want I don't want songs. I want my thoughts. <laughs> I don't know. I get I p- pick something from Adele. Like, I'm, I don't I'm not, know. Maybe not like yeah right. <laughs> like maybe not like I'm so sad. I'm gonna pop a song on, but more like like if you really want to get like huh, in the car if, or something. I mean, like, what's so a good I feel song like to... Olivia Rodrigo is like <laughs> captures the yeah. span of like teenage angst. If you like really want to go there, so. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I have a go-to. So I really like I'm I'm the kind of person who when I'm deep in thought, I just I want silence. I want no sounds around me, no music. Brian? I I well, so this is going to be a bit real, but when I go back to when I was in high school, I maybe I think I was. I think I was maybe a freshman in high school. And uh, a friend of my brother, my brother was a senior, he was three years older than me, a friend of his who had played soccer, and I was a soccer player, we all were, um, really popular guy in school, flipped his car on the highway and died. And so it was very tragic, very sad, and huge crowd at his funeral. And I had never heard this song before, but they were playing music before the, or as the service, we were waiting for the funeral to begin. And, and they were playing a soundtrack that must have been like, I don't know if it was his favorite songs, what it was, but this really haunting song came on at the saddest time. And it was Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You. You know, you think about that haunting, it's been seven hours. I'm not going to go any further, but you know what I'm talking it, it, It's It's a haunting song and it always stuck with me. If I hear that today, I find it so sad you guys are dying laughing i'm sorry you're telling a really <laughs> serious story it is because you tried to sing <laughs> oh, oh, sorry oh. but you know exactly where i'm going with yeah, that. That, it's her, got her, that yeah. just she's got that haunting voice and um and and, and I, I don't even you know i'm sure there was meaning behind it that probably didn't really fit a funeral but whatever it was 
the sound and the time or, or the, the, the environment, the circumstance has always stuck with me. So when I hear that song, I just think of it as a is an incredibly sad yeah. song. I don't like sit and listen to right. it because I'm depressed, but it's um, that would be when I think sad song, I go yeah. right to nothing. Some songs me. are sad because of the song and some songs are sad because of the memory they're attached to and I think yeah. there's a difference. Oh, now you see there so now that's another one that's very real and if and this one would actually probably make me feel a little more sad or, or longing but when my when my father passed away which was 2006, um he had at the time there were no like iPods um but there were MP3 players or maybe there were the early iPods but he had this like cheap knockoff MP3 player cuz my dad loved gadgets and he had uh he he liked country music and he had Keith Urban on there and there was a Keith Urban song I can't even think of what it is right now but it was a it was a you know sort of a it was a ballad and I remember playing that a lot and so if I heard that song today that would probably be that'd probably be the one yeah I'm uh I'm more of a uh (laughs) it's a Lady Gaga song um and it's not just dance um it uh it's called Million Reasons and it's just her voice and it's like raw and it's like I sing it in the car usually like I don't know if I'm just ever like need to get into something or you know it's just very like do you do you do you have tears streaming down your face when you say I don't know about that I just you know I don't know I sing I sing the harmonies you know it's just kind of a little moment I wanted to picture you so into it the tears are just dripping well I I feel like I'm I'm very I love music I feel like it just is it it incites such a, a feeling because you're right, you can listen to it when you're happy, when you're sad, when you're mad. It, like you said, Amanda, you know, it's like some songs are sad because the actual lyrics are just sad. And sometimes it's because it associates with a certain time in your life. Uh, and so, you know, even in like a church setting, if there's a song that just f- feel like the music and it's like I well up. And it's not because I'm like sad in the moment, but it's just there's such a it's beautiful thing about music and someone's voice and harmonies and uh, a tune. It just, whew, I mean... Not shocking. I'm an emotional mess. See, people cry when I sing. That's fair. But <laughs> well, I don't know that I cry reasons. when other people I, sing. Sarah, I'm going to throw this out to you, though. What if What if you just heard right now, just because of the nostalgia, if you heard, Fox 6, wake up, wake up the wake fun, up the fun. news and weather first, and it's local. No, 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 no. no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. tears. Okay. But I did, that is a, that's a bop right there. Um, okay, last question. Brian, you can go first. What flavor is green? Mint. Lime. Lime. Ooh, interesting. I also saw I also saw green apple. Like people have said green apple. So I immediately thought mint chocolate chip ice cream Ooh. when you said green. I don't know yeah. why, but that's what I went well, to. Yeah. That's just interesting. And it's funny because I'm not a s I'm not the sweets person. I'm a I'm a savory, but I don't know if there's a lot of green salty foods that you go to. Like if you'd said, I don't know, orange, I would have said Cheez Its or something. Oh. Or Doritos. Yeah. <laughs> or pizza. I don't know. Syracuse. Mm. Yeah, well, okay. Pulpy oranges. <laughs> Full circle. I like these little quick hitters. That's yeah. fun. Even though that we made them not so quick. Because, you know, it's, <laughs> I, what's what's more funny is that as I was writing these Come down, on. I was like, man, Machu is just going to be like, cool, you're really extending that podcast with some quick hitters that aren't quick. <laughs> <laughs> have a topic you want us to discuss an issue you think we should investigate please send us an email you can send your emails to fox 6 investigators at fox.com again that is fox the number six investigators at fox.com 
As always, thank you to all the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, and of course, Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson for Amanda St. Hilaire. We'll be back next week. 